Hey everyone, welcome to the Torn ACL Recovery Podcast. My name is Chris Arnold, and this is a short series podcast that follows my personal journey from ACL injury back to full strength. In it, I discuss the ups, downs, and everything in between in the days, weeks, and months after surgery. Hopefully this will help you in your own process to getting well after injury. Thanks for listening. All right, here we are back at it, month number four. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit. It's been a month, at least a month, maybe five weeks now. Kind of lost track a little bit there. Um, we'll call it four months since the ACL surgery. Things continue to go well. Things continue to go slowly, slower than I think I would want to have them go. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, biggest things over the last month, I would say, is that um, or biggest accomplishments maybe is that I finished the 12 week cycling program that I came up with early on in the process, um, partly to get back on the bike, partly to, um, kind of encourage myself and set goals. And then obviously I wanted to share that out with the ACLR community. So I did that early on, um, that, that whole process was, um, really challenging at first, certainly, for the first few weeks, kind of getting back on the bike. I mean, the, the first couple of weeks I could barely move my, uh, move my leg around the bike, uh, let alone do any power through, uh, my leg on the bike, which that in and of itself, I think is a great reminder of, of where you come from when you're recovering from ACL surgery, um, hit my watt, my, my goal Watts on that, which was 240, uh, meaning I was able to um, in a, during a ride, during a, um, uh, kind of a workout, I was able to hit and maintain 240 Watts of effort for an extended amount of time. Um, I loosely define that as about 10 minutes in the program itself. Um, sometimes, you know, professional athletes, you know, that, that range might be a, a 20 minute time of, of actually sustaining or holding that wattage, but really it kind of breaks down into, you know, what's your effort over, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever that might be. Totally depends on goals. Totally depends on the workout program. Um, for me, what I was really trying to do here with this program is to get myself back to a place where my leg could sustain, um, a higher wattage for a, a longer amount of time, helping with quad strength, helping with general, uh, strength and, and, and mobility of the knee itself. So that is now behind me and I'm starting to look at getting back on the road, um, doing some road cycling in the next week. Now actually took my wheel into the bike shop just yesterday to get it trued. It had been a little bit, um, out of, out of sync since it's been on the trainer for so long. So that was kind of an exciting handoff. Um, getting that back today, getting back on the bike outside really soon. So that's a, that's super fun. Um, kind of just generally speaking about the last month, um, month three to month four has been continuously, uh, slow, a little bit frustrating at times. Um, to be honest, um, I graduated from the traditional PT setting a little bit after the three month mark. And, um, I honestly kind of left that meeting feeling like I've just begun and, and, and I need to do more. Thankfully my PT, um, referred me to a sports performance, uh, sports perform performance. See if I can get that out, uh, center in my area. 
that really focuses on the next stage of the recovery process. Anyone that's gone through the process or is going through it right now, you know, you might be a week in or, or two weeks in or, or three months in. And, you know, if you're, if you're any sort of an, an athlete and you kind of meaning, you know, your body and you know how it feels, you know, then that the knee doesn't feel right after three months. It just doesn't, um, you know, if you're not one of those super crazy, unique YouTube, um, you know, stories that I think we all went to in the very beginning, um, where you're like magically walking and doing jumping jacks after two weeks, um, things move more slowly than you'd want them to. And certainly after graduating from, uh, physical therapy, um, you're not really, you're not at a stage where you can just like run back into sports. You're not, you're still not really, uh, that stable on the leg. You certainly can't just go back to cutting, um, playing basketball or soccer, tennis, whatever your sport might be. Um, so what, what was really important for me is to wrap my head around, okay, what's next. Um, you know, I have some baseline strength back. I can walk, you know, I can, I can do many things that I felt like I could never do, you know, two months ago, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I know I'm not back to where I, I need to be or where I want to be. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did during this, uh, initial consultation session at the sports performance center is we really looked at, and let me, as a quick tangent, let me say, I feel fortunate because the trainer there that I'm, I'm starting to work with has actually had his own ACL tear recovery, uh, in the last three or four years. So it's fresh in his mind. He understands what's involved. He understands from an athletic standpoint that you're, you're, you're really, you know, biologically, biomechanically, um, strength wise, you're just, you're, you're nowhere near hundred percent at three months. Um, and, and he understands that there needs to be a next phase to physical therapy. So it was good getting into this session, um, having him run me through a variety of mobility, um, tests, um, kind of checking ankle mobility, knee, hip mobility, just general movement of the lower extremities and kind of comparing, um, left to right legs. And then the one that uh, I mentioned in the post that accompanies this podcast on the website, um, has to do with the, one of the strength tests that they use, which is, um, essentially, uh, single leg squats. And we've all done single leg squats before. Usually you kind of throw your back leg up on a bench or a box and you do squats, maybe with a weight, um, like a kettlebell, maybe just air squats. Um, that's a great, that's a great exercise. But at the same time, um, throwing on weight, throwing your back leg on a band instead of a, a flat surface that you can use to prop yourself up and kind of push yourself up from, uh, was, was eye opening to me because, um, you realize just how much, um, balance you lose and kind of that general co- feeling of coordination that is lost when you are, um, really so heavily focused on just strengthening the quad, strengthening the glute, strengthening your hips. You don't really think, uh, you don't really overthink, I guess, um, all of the sort of mental brain connections that go back down, uh, to your knee, to your leg, you know, how is your, um, you know, how is your quad firing as your knee is trying to kind of maintain this range of, of movement? Um, how does the mobility of your ankle, <clears throat> excuse me, play into that, um, that up and down movement? people that aren't injured, people that aren't hurt, don't think about that. They don't, they take it for granted. 
we all took it for granted before. Um, but, but doing repetitions to failure on my good leg compared to the repetitions to failure on the surgical leg was, uh, eye opening. And it, it it sparked uh, a light bulb certainly that, you know, I'm not graduated quote unquote, I'm not done. Um, if anything, now I just have a baseline and I know where I, where I am and what I need to work on. And that, that's really going to be the next three months, you know, three, four months of time is, you know, how do I get my quad strength up? How do I start to work on my hamstring strength, which is, which is really never discussed across, at least in my situation, really not emphasized, um, from the surgeon to the physical therapy process, you know, having a hamstring graft, I think there's part of that for the physical therapists where they don't want to push that. Um, there's been, there's been a good amount of trauma that goes through the hamstring. And, you know, I hear a lot of stories where people go back too quickly with a hamstring graft and they end up having a lot of issues with, um, with pushing it too fast, too early. And they get a lot of cramping, um, a lot of excess bruising. I still have bruising that, that kind of, uh, that uh, is maintained, um, whenever I start to push it to new limits that kind of never, if it goes away, it sort of resurfaces whenever I do something again. And, and I think just because of all of the unknowns around how quickly you can move into hamstring strengthening, um, it's sort of just ignored for the most part. And, and what I, when I was going through some strength tests for my hamstring, I was shocked, you know, the hamstring is used, um, less in a, uh, sort of hamstring curl sense, you know, I guess it's not all about, you know, how much can I curl with my hamstring, but it is about deceleration. It's about, um, controlling the, the lower extremity. It's about, you know, if I, if I have a strong hamstring, it'll help me slow down. It'll help me stabilize and cut and be able to move, um, in an athletic and a sport focused way. So I don't have to worry about my knee collapsing and, and my, um, you know, losing control of where the knee goes in these movements, which is, you know, for many people, one of the reasons why, um, they were more susceptible to an ACL tear to begin with. Um, for me as a cyclist, primarily a cyclist, I CrossFit as well, but having such a quad dominant focus for so many years now, you know, personally, I think that was one of the reasons why I was so susceptible to tearing my ACL because I rely so much on my quads, really strong front part of the leg. And I never really focused too much on my hamstrings. And, you know, for me in a basketball move, a super quick, uh, cut deceleration to acceleration movement, I, I lost control of my knee joint and, and, you know, my tibia stayed in one place and sort of my upper body and my quad took me in another direction. And I didn't really have that, that control. And so that, that to me in my mind, and, and the more I, the more I read about it, the more I learn about it, the more I talk to individuals that are, you know, have done it before or are currently doing it. That's such a big part of this rehab process that is, um, oftentimes robbed of people that aren't able to, to stay with physical therapy or, um, um, you know, maybe their insurance cuts them short in terms of, of visits to a PT, which in my case is very much the case. So I'm having to kind of go outside those boundaries and, uh, you know, pull together, uh, funding to, you know, make sure that I can go that next step and make that a priority. Even if it's, you know, you know, even if it costs money, even if at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, a little bit of a hassle to get out to this, these other appointments, 
such a big deal. Um, and so that's really been my last month is ramping up into that, starting to think about and focus on those new uh, pieces of, of rehab. Um, and that kind of leads into my next point, which is, is discomfort and kind of what does that feel like now at four months? Well, at four months, uh, for me, it's, it's really less about, you know, I feel bad all the time or I can't sleep or, you know, I'm having trouble, um, walking. Um, it's really not that anymore. It's more of a, I, I just think about it every day. I notice it every day. If I go upstairs, I notice it. Um, even when I'm doing rehab exercises or when I went through that, um, you know, single leg squat to failure movement. Um, I, I notice it I, for me, I feel pain as I enter, you know, as I enter kind of that weight bearing squat stance and right as I exit. So there's, there's just general, um, you know, joint discomfort, um, due to still a lack of strength in my quad and hamstring cycling has helped a lot. Rehab so far has helped a lot. I clearly see my, my hamstring now, but it's, it's, um, it's hard to move past the point right now where, um, you know, you kind of feel that, that pain and that resistance in the knee. And I, and I very much realize that that's going to be the next phase to move beyond that, um, through month five, six, you know, seven, um, most of my discomfort at this point really just kind of comes after areas or, um, times where, where there's a lot of movement. So if I'm traveling, you know, walking through airports, sitting on a plane for multiple hours, getting off, walking again, you know, kind of the fast paced life of an airport, you know, that's a really good example of, you know, I start to feel the knee ache. Um, I start to feel it through the joint kind of behind the, the patellar tendon, um, behind the, the patella a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of that feeling of it's almost there, but something's not, you know, full back to full strength yet. Um, I guess one other thing to note is for my unique case, I have, um, I developed, and I may butcher this pronunciation, but I, I have a developed a condition when I was younger called Osgood Slaughter's disease, which is essentially I grew really quickly and in the, in the knee joint itself becomes, um, there's a lot of stress put on the knee joint as you grow when you're younger, um, especially quickly. And so what happens is essentially there is a, there's a, if you feel your knee right now, kind of your patella down your patellar tendon, your patellar tendon connects to your, to your tibia, right? Kind of right below that area. And for me, it connects into an area that is, um, essentially has a bony growth. So there's kind of an excess amount of bone right below there. And as a kid that that was really sore all the time that really hurt. And as I'm going through rehab now, I'm feeling that pain again. I'm feeling that pain of, um, that area, that, that bump kind of hurts. And, and that's a little bit of a unique case for me, sort of a bummer. Um, but it's one of those things for, for recovery where I'm sure we all have kind of our unique, Oh, I have this happening before, you know, this has kind of come up. Um, and for me, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really kind of keeping an eye on. Finally, um, month four, I'm excited again to get back out on the road, riding my bike. I'm also really excited for the tour of the moon cycling event that's coming up at the end of September. I've never done it before. It's one of the, one of the yearly rides out in Colorado, um, different options for distances. Um, I signed up for the 60 mile distance, which kind of takes you all through Colorado national monument, 
and out, out in some of the, the, um, the roads in that area, the Western part of the state. I'm nervous about it. I'm really excited about it. It's been a great goal to have in the horizon. And so as I get into this next phase of rehab and I get back on the road, riding my bike over the next month and a half or so, I really feel confident. I'll be able to do that ride well and, and feel good about it. At the same time, I think it's going to be an interesting, um, you know, challenge. And, and I'm, I have a feeling that the next couple months of the podcast will be kind of based around that, you know, how am I feeling? How's the new rehab going? Rehab's going to kind of amp up a bit, be more challenging. Cycling's going to kind of ramp up as well as I need to get more distance in my legs and see how that's going to affect things. Hoping for the best. Um, and I have low expectations. So, um, stick around to hear those updates as well. So if you are in your own ACL recovery right now, man, I wish you the best of luck. I hope that things are going well. And if you're dealing with something right now that is a struggle, that is, um, you know, a, a, a disappointment or maybe even kind of a, an emotionally based issue where you're just feeling depressed and down, I feel you, I hear you, things are going to get better. Keep your head up and keep on working. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck. So take care for now.